All right, good morning. Ooh, that's loud. <laughs> um, Satan definitely does not want this morning to happen, and so I'm going to pray. I've, <laughs> we've, I've had a quite hilarious morning. My alarm didn't go off. I will say I got ready in 20 minutes. Quite proud of that. And then pulled into the parking lot and spilled coffee all over me. So <laughs> here we are. But you know what? I'm not going to allow Satan not to allow this to happen. So let's pray because to do that, we need to ask the Lord for help. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come. We pray that you would just go before. Just help us just to um, come together um, as uh, a body, as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, to just glorify you, to learn just how we can uh, equip and uh, train these kids well, Lord. We pray that their hearts would come to know you at an early age, Lord, that they would believe in the truth and that they would walk with you all the days of their lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that it would not be me speaking, but that it would be you, and that this time would just be a time of fellowship and glory and honor to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can follow along with your handout. Um, we'll have power, the PowerPoint um, flip through. So um, I will try to stick as close as possible to our PowerPoint as we go. And then after our sexual abuse prevention training, we'll go through the manual. And then we will have a break. Um, and that will be a time where we have some snacks and stuff out there with water and all of that that you just have uh, 15 minutes to... Yeah, we're doing good. Um, 15 minutes just to kind of hang out and fellowship and then come back in for um, some evacuation and safety things and then question and answers, and then we will break out for our breakouts, and we'll go over that when we get there. So um, hang on, and I know this is going to be very hefty information in the beginning, but I think it's truly important that we understand so that we protect our church well. So we're going to dive into our sexual abuse um, information uh, that we have. And you can see on that first slide, um, we have our statistics of sexual abuse uh, prevention. And some of these are statistics are from 18, and some of them are from 2014. So some of them, the numbers can be higher, but uh, most of them are up to date right now. So in the, uh, in the United States, we have 60 million survivors of sexual abuse that has happened. Uh, one in four are females that will be victimized. And then before the age of 18, one in six males are victimized by the age of 18. Uh, 66% do not tell about the abuse until adulthood. So we're not going to see our children come up and tell us that something is happening. And we'll talk about why that happens also uh, coming up. The average um, male abuser begins victimizing by, at the age of 13 or 14. And so that even comes even a little closer into children's ministry and even student ministry of what are we doing to protect our peers versus peers. And we'll talk um, about that and some of the policies that we have in place also so that we can protect our kids, even just from their kids. It's not that we just have to protect them from the adults, but we also have to protect them from their peers also. Um, some more statistics is there's less than 10% abusers do not go in front of the judicial system. So this means that we can run a background check and we can look at all of that stuff, but 60 or less than 10% will come up with something. So it's not going to be the ones that we find during background checks that we need to be uh, preventing our kids from. It's, it's, it's our, our people that we need to protect our kids from because 
it's hard to, to find the sexual abusers in our area and things like that that are registered and that we know of. There are uh, over 850,000 registered sex offenders in the United States, and that's uh, 16. So that number, I'm sure, has gone up. And then they, our predators usually prey on kids that they know. It's not the stranger danger. I know I was raised with stranger danger, and don't talk to strangers, and don't get in the car, and don't do this, and it's not stranger danger. Like, it's not, that's not where our sexual abuse comes from. And so... Those are some key things that we just that we need to look at, just to kind of keep in them in our minds that it's not just that stranger that will come into the building, and and we have to watch out for them. It's actually all of us that we need to watch out for. So I want to ask you a question. What are your thoughts? And I want you guys to interact with me. What are some of your assumptions about sexual abusers uh, or it happening in the church? What are some of your assumptions? Right. We assu- he said we assume that it doesn't happen because we're Christ followers. Aubrey says that she assumes that it's a male. Yes. If the background check is clear, we're good to go. What? Yes. Yeah. Yep. She said that we, they will look different. So then we can visually pick out, okay, let's watch this person. What other assumptions do we have? Yes, yes. Adult to child, we assume that it's only going to be the adult, but peers come in also. Yeah. Any other assumptions that we think of for... um, Yes, we can assume that our kids will tell us. Yep. It won't happen in the building. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Those are all great ones. I'm going to read you a story. And I do want you to know, um, I put this on the third slide. Um, I'm getting most of my information from this book called On Guard, and it's from Deepak Reju. And it's from 2014. Uh, but he wrote this book. He is a um, pastor out at Capitol Hill, ba- Capitol Hill, the one in uh, Washington, D.C. I always mix up their names um, with Mark Dever. And so he wrote this book on how do you protect your church against uh, sexual predators. As a parent, I would recommend reading this because it talks to you about how to talk to your kids. Yes. Uh, Deepak, D-E-E-P-A-K. Raju, R-E-J-U. And it just goes through some key um, information of how you talk to your kids and what does that look like and uh, even just how can you build the church that is safe um, towards it. And then Ministry Safe is an organization down in Texas. It's two uh, lawyers who, um, they're, I, I think they're, they're, ma- they're married and their last name's Love, um, that does training for sexual abuse, and they, they're the lawyers that go against uh, the, the predators. And so they've went through, I went through like a 16-hour course on sexual um, prevention in the church, and so a lot of my information is coming from them also. So those are my two sources where I'm getting my information. But this is a great book um, to just have and just to read, but, or yeah, to read and get information. But let me read you this story. I want to describe a child molester. I know very well. 
This man was raised by a devout Christian parents. As a child, he rarely missed church. Even after he became an adult, he was faithful as a church member. He was a straight-A student in high school and college. He has been married and has a child of his own. He coached Little League Baseball. He was a choir director at his church. He never used illegal drugs. He never had a drink of alcohol. He was a clean-cut, all-American boy. Everyone seemed to like him. He was a volunteer in numerous civic community functions. He had a well-paying career job. He was considered well-to-do in society. But from the age of 13 years old, he sexually molested little boys. He never victimized a stranger. All of his victims were friends. I know this child molester very well because it is me. And so that was just eye-opening of just somebody who was raised in a Christian home, went to church, never did anything wrong, but yet he had that inside secret of just knowing what he, what he was doing. Um, and so that's, there's several stories in, in this book that they use of just ways of what the predators look like when we think that it's, we know what they look like. So if you look at our three assumptions um, that churches typically use, we tend to assume that it will never happen to us. We always think that it's never going to happen to us. It won't happen in our church. And I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, and this is going to get a little personal, but I was, mar- I was previously married, and in my head, it will never happen to me. It will never happen to me. Divorce will never happen to me because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And we always have that, that, con- that, that thought in our mind, it will never happen to us, but it happened. It happened. My husband had an affair, and uh, our marriage ended. And so we can't have that thought process that, that it will never happen to us. And so even with sexual abuse, it will never happen to us. It will never happen in our building is not true, okay? We pray against it, and we pray that the Lord would protect us, and we pray that he will not allow it to happen or to, for uh, sin to enter in in that way, but we can prevent it. And that's what we're here to talk about today is just that we can get that assumption out of our head that says we pray that it never happens here, but yet what are we doing to prevent it? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Another assumption is we think that sexual predators are monsters and nothing like us. So we think that we're going to say, and even somebody said it, of just like, okay, we're going to be able to tell what they look like. We can go by physical features or even actions or behaviors and that kind of stuff, but we can't do that. We can't assume. And so we'll walk through some of the ways that we're going to protect our kids and how it's going to be put on your shoulders also. It can't just be put on the staff, uh, the church's staff's shoulders. It has to be put on everybody's. And that's why I wanted this to be a whole church thing because it's not just uh, the staff's responsibility. It's not just the parents' responsibilities. It is the church's responsibility to protect our kids. And then we know the people in our church. We trust the people in our church. We know that they're believers and they're walking with the Lord, and we trust them, and we, we, know, that we know their stories and all of that. And so we have that assumption that if we know everybody really well, then everything's just going to be fine, and we can trust them. We can, and mind you, I don't want you to get all anxious because you can, and I can feel myself getting anxious when I talk about these things of like, okay, I'm going to put my child. I'm just going to keep him in the womb. And <laughs> you're not coming out. You're not just, <laughs> and, but, and we can put him in a bubble and we can protect them and we can be the, the helicopter parents. 
And that's not what they're calling us to do. They're not calling us to just say, hey, we just need to protect and protect and protect. But it's, it's things that we can put in place. It's things that you can do in your home that he talks about even in the book of just how do you talk with your kids? How do you have that open dialogue so that they trust you to come and talk to you and have that, open, that openness of like there's no secrets um, in this home. And so those are just some of the things. So we do assume that we trust everybody that walks through our doors. And that's a good thing but then there's also precautions that need to be there too. So what can we do? So that's our next thing. So what can we do? We need to know your responsibility. And in Genesis, the Lord gave um, Adam the responsibility of caring for all things, the, the ground and the living creatures and, and all of that. And he gives us that responsibility as parents. Our children are our gifts. Um, and we are called to care for them. So here at Ashland, our responsibility is to care, to protect, and to teach these children. Yes, it first lays onto the parents, but it also goes into the congregation also. It's just these children we are bringing, we are role models to them so that they know what faith looks like, and we are called to protect and care for them. So that is our first thing. So we need to know our responsibilities. We need to be in the know. So we have the grooming process, and there is a, um, you have another handout that has the grooming process on there. We're just going to kind of walk through those kind of steps of what that is. And the grooming process is what the predator um, will do to gain access to the child, okay? So the first one is gaining access. So they earn the trust of the church community um, or even that family member. They earn that trust, okay? And that, that can be very easy to do. We assume that we trust everybody, and we watch them, and they do the, all the right things for sure, and so they're gaining that trust. Um, and don't, and, and think men and women in this situation. Don't just think men, because I know our minds can go to one. Um, and so they gain that trust, so they gain access, so they become a volunteer or a, a disciple maker in our, our ministry, and then they select a child. The typical uh, child profile is somebody who um, needs special attention, so it's a child that's on the fringe, that's kind of out by themselves, uh, doesn't trust people very well, um, they are kids that typically come from broken homes, or don't have uh, uh, a, safe, a safe home uh, to go to. And so they find those kids that they want to select. And they find that child, and they, they will try. They will try different things. And if a child pushes back, they'll move on to another child. Um, and all of that. Then, then physical contact comes in. So they'll touch their arm. And if the kid doesn't stop from them touching their arm, then they'll move on to more, to more things, like tickling games or... Um, touching their back or moving underneath their shirt when they're touching their back. And it just moves into riskier behavior. So the predators know that if the child steps away or moves, up, moves back, they will move on to a different child. They'll know that this one is not trustworthy or will not be able to go very far. And then it's keeping the victim silent. So it's always the secret game. Don't tell, you know, don't, don't, don't tell the secret. I have a big secret, and we're going to keep it between us, and that's all it is, and it's going to be. Um, and then they can tell lies of, like, you're going to shame or you're going to be embarrassed yourself or me or your family. And it, they make the kids feel like this, like this is something that's okay to do. It's okay to keep a secret. 
and it's going to be harmful if you tell people. And then they'll threat them. No one will believe you. Um, it will hurt your family if you tell anybody. And I just thought that you would like it. Um, and so those are kind of the, those are the grooming process steps um, that a predator will do to a child um, in with uh, sexual abuse. Those are the things that you want to keep your eyes open for when you're working in the classroom or even in the building. And no matter what, there's always going to be ch uh, children in, in the church building if there's a function. So those are the things that you want to just kind of keep your eye out for um, and just be aware of those things. Um, and then if the child discloses to you, some of the times um, we won't believe the children because we, we, our assumption is, is that we trust the people and know that person wouldn't do that and we wouldn't trust the child's um, story. And so what you want to do when a child reports it to you is listen calmly. Listen to them. Listen to them. Respond calmly. Um, make sure that you say, okay, I trust you. I believe you. Um, be sensitive um, to them. Make sure that they see that you are very attentive to them. Uh, do not ask any shaming questions. How long has this been happening? What time was it? Then it's going to cause them to just to get a little bit more anxious of like, I don't know all the details I'm just telling you. And it's just the fact that they're telling you is, is the, the step that we want them to do. You can ask open-ended questions and make sure that they know that you believe them. Uh, and then you need to report that. If a child does uh, re uh, come to you and open up in that way, report it to a church staff, a church leader, uh, immediately. Okay? And then the church will report it to authorities um, and, and that. So we don't want to put that, that on you. Now, if, there's, if it's happening not in the church building, yes, definitely report to authorities. That's our, that's our legal obligation. But if it's happening here at Ashland, you can... Uh, tell the church uh, staff, and they will take care of it. And then there's no secrets. Some of the kids will come up to you and say, well, I need you to keep a secret. And you have to let them know, I can't keep a secret. Like, I can't keep a secret that big. Like, um, and I need to be able to protect you, and I need to be able to tell the right people of what's happening. And so I can't keep that secret. Um, that may cause them not to tell you, but that would also spark something in your head of like, okay, something's going on and you can watch more. And I would even tell the church staff about that too. So being in the know is knowing the grooming process and what you're looking like. It's not what you're looking for. It's not that typical person that's coming in that looks a little strange or, or acting a little weird. It's just what are their interactions with children looking like? Are they pulling one child aside and just focusing on them? They'll focus on that one child. Um, and so if you see those behaviors, those are things that need to kind of put up those yellow flags in your head of like, oh, I'm just going to watch that a little bit more. But we're going we're gonna to talk in, in detail about what we're doing here at Ashland and the policies that we have there. And then what do I need or what do I do now? So um, what you do now is we're going to go over the, um, the processes of uh, what we have in place at um, Ashland, but on the back of that page, you will see signs of child abuse. So you can look for the grooming process in the adult, but you also need to look at the, the if a child is showing some of these signs, physically, emotionally, and sexually, you'll see some of these signs. 
um, in the child that's being abused. And I won't go through all of those, but I would do want to say one thing with the physical. Um, the, the bruises. There's Mongolian blue spots that you need to be aware of, and this happens in Asian children. Um, and they're, they look like black and blue marks. So if you're changing a diaper on on a uh, Asian child and you see black and blue marks, mention it to the parents. They might be Mongolian blue spots. I have a friend who adopted a child and they're, I mean, she's covered in them. And so it does, it looks like she was, you know, beat because it's like black and blue marks. They look exactly like black and blue marks. So just be careful of that and ask. You can even ask a staff member about that. But those are some of the signs that you can look for for um, a, in a child of sexual abuse. So what do we do now? We're going to dive into our uh, ministry manual, but don't forget, it is our responsibility. What do we do now? Um, it is our responsibility to protect our kids, your kids, everybody's kids, and keep your eyes out. As l- now that you know that the sexual abuse can happen in our church, we are responsible to protect our children. Don't feel like you're tattling on somebody if you have a concern. Bring it to the staff, and they will be able to look into it. Call out a brother if you see a brother or a sister who is that you see doing something wrong. Call them out. That's Matthew 18. We're called to do that as believers. Um, and just, just check on them and just be admonishing to them. And so those are our things that we need to do. But if you take a look at our manual... Not much has changed in our manual from the other one, just the kind of the look looks of it. But you'll see that the vision uh, is in there and um, why discipleship matters. I would love to get into the habit of not calling you guys volunteers, but disciple makers, because that's what you are. Um, we I pushed in my old church of just the biggest discipling area happens in the children's ministry because most of our children are non-believers. And so we are bringing them up. We are outreaching back in the journey area because most of our children are still have not uh, professed to their faith in the Lord. And so you guys are disciple makers. And that puts a little bit more hefty weight on what you do. And I want that weight on you. I want that weight to be on you because I don't want you to think, okay, I'm coming in on Sunday morning or I'm coming on Wednesday night or Sunday night, and I'm just caring for these kids. Yes, by all means, you're caring for these kids, and you're making sure that they don't get hurt, and they make it back to their parents, and and all of that, and in one piece, but they have a soul, and so we have to remember that their soul has an eternity. It's either hell or it's heaven, and our responsibility when we serve with these children is to help them to understand the truth. And so we are disciplers. We are disciplers and there are disciples and we want them to understand the truth. And so um, I would love for you guys to get that in your head of like, I'm a disciple maker because you are, you're making disciples and we are called to do that. So if you look on page seven of our handbook, I put in some uh, job, de- not job descriptions, role descriptions. <laughs> I won't make it feel that, that, that responsibility. Um, so role descriptions. So supervisor is one of the newer ones that we've put in place on Sunday morning in the preschool area. And that is a person who kind of just stands in the area with the, all the classrooms and is that second hand 
to help with everything. So they will help. They'll make sure the volunteers have everything that they need. They help with the bathroom because that's one of the key areas where sexual abuse happens is in the bathroom. And so having those two people there is very helpful to hold us accountable but also protect the children. And so um, our supervisors um, help the volunteers and the parents that are coming in. They make sure the morning goes well, keeps them on schedule, and all of that uh, just is there to to provide an extra set of hands in there. Room coordinators, we have room coordinators um, in the preschool who take over two to three rooms, and they are the leader of that room. They help you brainstorm people if you're going to be absent on who to ask. They come in, and they're the ones that write the names on the board, and they make sure that the area is cleaned and set up and ready to go, and they work during the week and on Sunday morning to help make Sunday morning run. And so those are our room coordinators. And then we have our disciple makers, uh, which are our leaders in our classroom. And your responsibility is for preparing the room for the children, welcoming the children into the room, leading the lesson, enforcing safety procedures, cleaning the room when you're finished, and engaging the children in the lesson in a practical way of how they can live that out in their life. My one key thing that I would love for you guys to to, uh, start just putting inside of inside of your mind and just uh, reflecting on it is, is that leading that lesson. You can't come into the room and open up the book and just read it right then and be like, okay, I got it. I, I know it's possible because I've done it before myself. All, all the time there's the time when it's like, oh, I have to fill in at 9.10 and we're going at 9.45 and that's completely fine and I get that, I understand that. I pray that we will meditate on the word before Sunday so that the Holy Spirit can take it from our heart and pour it into the children's hearts. And so if the Lord is speaking to us, then we can speak to the children on how he used it and how he changed our life in that. And so use that time um, and get that lesson beforehand. And it's online. We have it all online. And I'll make sure I put it in the newsletter that is sent out. Um, monthly with the schedules to allow yourself to settle, to know, okay, what am I teaching this morning? This even goes for Awana. What verses are the children memorizing? And how can I help them practically understand what those verses mean to them? We don't want them just to store up little knowledges of um, verses in their heads and become Pharisees. We want them to go from their head to their heart because if it goes to the heart, then they know how to apply it and they understand it. And so Okay, okay, how can I help these children who are memorizing these verses apply it to their life and use it in a day when I have to go to the dentist and I'm really scared, but I know the Lord never forsakes me and he never leaves me. So he's going to be with me when I sit in this dentist chair. Okay, how can, I, how can they practically use this? Or uh, there's no other, you can't have two other gods when he's throwing a tantrum because the Lego power fell down well, you just made that Lego tower your God because you're throwing a tantrum because your tower just, don't, let's not idolize Legos. And just how can we practically help them understand uh, the, the scripture that they're memorizing and learning um, and live it out in their, in their life? Caregivers are our um, leaders in our nurseries. Uh, you're not just there to change diapers and to, to soothe the baby that is crying. You're there, there. They have souls also. They come out with souls. And it would be gr- it's great at that early age to pray over them. If they're unsettled, 
pray that their, their spirit would be calm. Yes, check if their diaper needs changed. Yes, see if they're hungry and all of those things. But pray to see that they just allow their soul to be calmed. Um, speak Bible truths. God is good. He made everything to them over and over again. Just have those little, those little truth nuggets that you just talk about in the nursery um, over the time and sing little songs with them. Um, so you're not just there to hold and to care for the kids. That is one a priority, but another priority is to make sure that they have that, um, the Bible truths that are um, true, true of our Lord. And then the children's frontline team. You guys are responsible for welcoming guests into our, into our church. Um, they, you will help them put information into the system, walk them to the classroom, make sure that they know where they're going, and also to the seat. I would love to see the from the car seat to the sanctuary seat so that our guests feel welcomed. They know, okay, okay, I know how to get back to my kids because um, it would be a little confusing just so that they understand where they're going and to help along the way. So that's on uh, for our children's front line. So those are some job or role descriptions that hopefully make a little bit more clearer of what you're doing on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday. And then we um, are going to go into our disciple maker expectations. And this will be um, pages 8 through 10. And I won't go through all of it, so don't think I'm going to read this word for word uh, for you guys. I don't want to do that. You guys can read. And so um, I'm going to skip over some of them, but I'm gonna, I've uh, highlighted a few that I want to talk about for just guidelines. Um, let me just take a look at our schedule, too. Okay, we're doing good. So arrival and preparation. Please arrive 30 minutes prior to service starting or the, the event time that starts. So Awana, arrive 30 minutes before when, Equip Wednesdays. You can arrive 30 minutes before. And that's a little bit easier on Equip Wednesdays because we have dinner and um, we can fellowship at that. Uh, Sunday morning, arrive 30 minutes. This will allow us to get the rooms ready, welcome the kids well, make sure that our ratios are good and we can welcome the kids in and um, all of that. Um, most of our room coordinators have the rooms set up already for you ready to go, but if you come in and you have other ideas that you want to do, that would be the time that you can set up the room and prepare it for uh, the morning. Prayer. This is a big one. Pray for your kids. You have a roster in your room, and you can pray by their, by, for them by their name, or you can pray for them as a group, but just pray, because we know, just like this morning, Saint does not want this to happen. He's going to put roadblocks in. He's going to put roadblocks in on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesdays, because he doesn't want the truth to go forward. And so, pray before the morning starts. Welcome the kids in. Um, just pray for your own spirit. Pray for their spirit. Just allow their ears and their hearts to be open to hear the truth. And that would be the other thing of just making sure that you're ready for the lesson and, and all of that in the schedule for the day. Accountability is where our sexual abuse uh, prevention comes in. This is one of them. Um, and this is a bigger one. One of the policies that we have here is that no person works by themselves with children. And I know we have some, some areas where we need to grow in this, and we are working on that. Uh, to get two people in the room. We have two people in the room in the nursery and preschool, and we're working on that in elementary to get two people in each classroom there also. So at least two people need to be in the classroom uh, to, one, protect you and also to protect the kids. 
one of the disciple makers that are in the room need to be above 18. Uh, so you can have an adult and a teenager in a room, and that is, that is fine, completely fine. This is in the preschool where the supervisor comes in also with the, back, or with the bathroom. Two people need to be there um, uh, to help with the bathroom. I prop the door open. I think it's completely fine to prop the door open, not fully open, but just slanted so that one can stand in there and one can stand in the bathroom. But then an eye is on everybody. There's always an eye on everybody. So this will help reduce the risk of child abuse. Um, Another uh, way that uh, we would like to kind of reduce the risk is just uh, making sure Dutch doors are put on the doors so that the top is always open and so the eyes can always be in, and then there's no hiding places that can happen um, for that also. So that's one of our ways that we're protecting you as adults and as children is having two people in the classrooms. Uh, Your resources... We're going to update our little folders. A lot of this information is in the folder in the plastic hanging thing, but you're going to have your child's roster on there. On that roster, you're going to have your allergies, and they're going to print on the tags um, once we get the the new system up and running that they will be on the tags also. But remember, there are the little yellow stickers that you can ask the parents to please put um, the yellow sticker on their tag so it kind of sticks out a little bit more. Um, suggested schedule you're the leader of the classroom and you can you can change that schedule as much as you want but just make sure you get the key things in that fit because uh, you want to make it to large group worship on time the lesson on time and that kind of stuff but you can move and, and change those things uh, as the leader of the room the checklist of uh, how to clean up and how to um, um, Uh, prep the room and that kind of stuff and then you'll find the fire and evacuation plan in there and you'll find that um, we'll talk about that later of what that will be like so you'll find all of that in the folder in the classroom and then we're going to jump over to inappropriate behavior this is another sexual abuse prevention also with the inappropriate behavior so we know that we are not going to physically touch the children one for discipline in any ways by all means we're not going to do that we're not going to physically harm the children at all Um, I know in the preschool area kids love to sit on you and climb and all that kind of stuff I would encourage you there's an there's only two adults and several kids encourage them to sit next to you and around you and just sit you know and it's completely fine if they come up and run and give you a hug that's completely fine Um, but don't go and give them hugs if they're not asking for it at all. Um, And I don't want it to be this fear of, you know, what's going to happen to me or anything like that, but um, make sure there's always somebody else in view um, if things happen like that. Um, We don't want to be the, I always had to step out in the hallway when I was a teacher and call another teacher out if, like, a kid needed help buttoning his pants, you know. And so I don't want to get to that. But make sure there's another adult in the room that's around, that's watching, that's able to see. One, that's going to protect you because the kid can go and say, this, this, and this happened. And that other adult can say, that's not what happened. That's, that's not what happened at all. And so that's uh, for you, uh, for your, um, your benefit. And then admonishing on page 10 and reporting inappropriate behavior. So we know if you see signs or are a little uh, worried about something, bring it to a church leader. 
if you see somebody who's doing something that's inappropriate, like an inappropriate touch or even an inappropriate discipline, like they're disciplining a child in an inappropriate way or causes just a little bit of like angst inside of you, just go up to that person and just say, hey, I just noticed this. Can you walk me through what you were thinking during this time? Do you think this is the best way of doing it? Or And just that's just being above reproach with everybody and knowing that we're protecting our children um, in, in, those, in those instances. So those are some of our policies that we have in place that will help us, one, with sexual abuse, but also um, just caring for the, the children well. So now we're going to go into classroom guidelines. And hold on one second. Becca, could you run back to the preschool? The preschool area. Thank you. <clears throat> um, classroom guidelines. You'll see adult to child ratios on there. Um, these are ratios that we would love to stick to, but we know that they're not going to be set in stone. Um, we're not going to close rooms, but we're going to try our hardest to have one adult to every three children in the nursery. We're going to try our hardest. That's in nursery one. Nursery two to three, one adult to every five children. In preschool, one to seven. And in kindergarten through fifth, one to ten. Like, that is our goal, is to stick to that so that we have enough adults to... Um, care for those children, to pour into them, to pr- help them practically um, apply the word to their life. All guests that come in are welcome. We always welcome any guests that come in. So that's always that we come in. But those are our goals that we're going to try and keep into, okay, well, we had a big class this year in, in third grade, and we have 30 kids. We can't just put one person in there. We need to at least, we would love to have three, but two would be best. And so those are our goals of just like, okay, here's how many disciple makers we need in a, in a classroom. Check in and pick up and sign in. Check in. The parents will print the tag from the computers. The allergies will be on there. If you notice that they have allergies, please ask them to put one of those yellow stickers on there or highlight it so it's just visible for you. Um, and you know that that child has an allergy. Every classroom, nursery through elementary, will have a roster that you will check them in and check them out. This is so that if there is an emergency, you know exactly what kids are in your classroom and you don't have to stop and think, okay, was he here today or was he not today and did I lose that child? So if you check them off, you know that they're in your room. So there's going to be a check-in column and you'll just check them off. And then when the parent picks them up and they're out of your responsibility, you check them out so that you know that, okay, I'm no longer responsible for that child. So that is your sign-in at your uh, classroom door. Pick up. Here's where we assume that we trust everybody and we know everybody. And I know you know everybody, but please check the tag, even if you know them. If they don't have the tag, get their ID. And I know they're going to say, but, but Sue, I know, you know me. I know they're going to say that, but still just say, hey, I'm protecting, I'm protecting the children, and I need to see your ID if you, don't have the, if you don't have the tag. If they don't have an ID with you, get the leader in that area. So preschool would be the supervisor. Hannah or Brent would be the leader in elementary. Kellen could be the leader in nursery. Um, and just get that leader. Your Awana leader would be the one that, to check if, uh, if the uh, parent doesn't have an ID, and they would vouch, and the responsibility would be on them to say, okay, yes, that is that child, and 
and the child is going with the right with the right person. So make sure you check that tag. Um, take the roster. If you're moving kids to a different room, that roster needs to go with them because that other room needs to know this is who I have. If there's an evacuation, we need to know, okay, I'm, I'm accounting this many kids, and this is who I'm responsible for. So that roster needs to go with them. Restrooms and diapering. This is another place where sexual abuse comes in. So peer-to-peer um, abuse, the biggest area it happens is the restroom. Um, and in areas where there's skin exposure, so swimming suits and all that kind of stuff, we don't have to worry about. We don't have a swimming pool, so... Praise the Lord, we don't have to worry about that. But our restrooms are our areas where we need to protect our children from peer to peer. Um, and I will tell you a story. I had this um, happen at my old church, and it was the first time. It didn't happen at church. It happened at school. Um, but it was the first time the Lord allowed me to be like, I'm protecting my children from the adults. I am not doing well protecting them from peers. And so I had to revamp our whole bathroom policy to protect our peers from our peers. Um, and thankfully, it didn't happen at church. And the instance happened at school, but the two kids that it happened to came to our church. And so I would protect our kids by not allowing adults in the bathroom. No adults in the bathroom. It's only a kid's bathroom, no adults in there. An adult would stand in the door. Okay, hurry up, kids. You're doing okay. That's it. Well, they're not watching them, and that's when things happen. So with the restroom in preschool, there's always two adults that go to the bathroom with the children, and they only use the preschool bathroom. In the elementary, no adults need to go in with the uh, kids. It's a single bathroom. They knock on the door. They know if there's somebody in their wait, and they go in by themselves, and they come out. So that's our area of just... Kids go by themselves, preschool, two adults with them, uh, constantly watching. VBS, big areas where you're using the gym, the family center's uh, restrooms, two adults also have to go. One stands inside the bathroom, like in the, because there's two doors. It's, you stand, so one adult stands in the door so that they can see the bathroom. That's protecting the peer from the peer. So you're watching what's happening and all that kind of stuff and everything that's happening in there and, you know, the toilet paper flying everywhere and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so you're watching them. The second adult is at the other door watching the adult. So we have an adult watching the kids and an adult watching the adult. So I know it sounds funny and it's like, are you kidding me? We have to do this, but we have to do this. And I, we want to protect our kids well. And I want to protect you like we are, these things are not just in place for our kids, they're in place for you also. So always have, and I know there's four doors on these, on our family centers, just use one as an entrance and an exit. Like just one of the adults stands in there and they're watching the kids, making sure no, nothing's happening in there, and then the adult is watching the adult to make sure that that adult's not going in and, and um doing anything in the bathroom with the kids. And then the, those other adults can also say, hey, hold on to other adults that are coming in. We can't let you in right now. We have a f class full of kids in here. Can you please wait or use a different bathroom that doesn't have a child in there? Diapering. Only women um, can diaper in the nursery and preschool area, and there needs to be over 18 to diaper. And then how to diaper is <laughs> Travis. You're so excited. <laughs> 
So those are our, that's our bathroom policy. And if you have questions, please write them down so you don't forget them. I know I'm going through this quickly. Um, and then we'll go over that during our question time. Uh, we're going to move over to incident reports. So this is, um, you're going to find these in your green or in your binder in your room also. Always fill out an incident report if a child is hurt. If it's a scrape and it just needs a Band-Aid, it doesn't need an incident report. If they hit their head, please fill out an incident report. Um, head injuries always need an incident report. Biting always needs an incident report. Uh, anything that like needs like several Band-Aids, please put an incident report on. The parent has to sign that incident report uh, so that I know that they were told and then if there's a second child involved or multiple, those parents need to sign it so I know that they were told what happened. Then I will pick up those incident reports, and it just allows us to know what's happening in the classrooms. I can check in on the kids, hey, this, you know, or on the parents, and see um, how they're doing and how the child is doing. Uh, so those incident reports will be in there. It's just a brief description of what happened, who was responsible, and then the parent signatures um, about that. If a child bites somebody, please call the parents immediately, and that child can just ask the parent to take them with them. Um, and then we can work together with it if it's a continuous behavior um, on that. So um, you can uh, do that for biting. First aid, their kits are located in the ministry hub at the crossroads, cabinet in nursery three, and preschool A. Do not administer any medicine. That even includes EpiPens. Always get the parents um, to uh, administer any medication. We don't want that responsibility to not give the correct dose or anything like that. And then if it's a situation where you have to call 911, you call 911, then call the parents. So if the child is not breathing or anything like that, not responsive, call 911. That's only happened once in my time of being in children's ministry. Um, and so, prayerfully, we don't have to call 911. Allergies. Um, we are not giving any snacks out at Ashland um, that are brought in from outside, except for the ones that Ashland has approved of. So, you think Awana store and Awana party nights. You can take a collection in the leaders, because I am making sure that I connect with my leaders and I know all the, uh, all the allergies that are the kids have, they have my permission to go out and buy and purchase the snacks because they are the leader of the ministry. But Sunday morning, like I will provide snacks for elementary that need it, okay, and all of that. So any snacks that come in from the outside, we're not going to allow because we don't know what's in there. We don't know if they, um, there could be a very, you know, small trace of peanuts in it and that, that's not, that's not good. So that's one of our, our different changes of just like leaders are responsible for it because they know the allergies well, and then anything that Ashland provides are okay. If a child has a very severe, the parent can uh, provide that snack, but it's only for that child, and it's going to be labeled uh, with their name on it so that we know that it's for them. It will print on the name tag and on a roster, so we will have the allergies there. And then our page 14... And then we will head to break. Wow, we're on time. Um, absences. If you're going to be absent, 
um, it is your responsibility to help fill that role. You can use your room coordinator or your leaders as brainstormers of, okay, who can I ask? Um, but you are responsible, and then let your ministry leader know who is taking over. If there's a distraught child, say in the nursery, they're crying and they're crying and they're crying, I say 10 minutes and call parents. Now, that's uncontrollable for 10 minutes. Now, if it's on and off, that's a, we can handle this. Um, but if they're uncontrollably uh, crying for 10 minutes straight, call their parents and uh, they can come pick them up. One, it just it allows for the other kids to settle and it doesn't bring up everybody else. And we don't want that child to um, just continually cry and cry and cry and cry. Uh, videos. Please refrain from taking any videos in classrooms. Uh, photos are okay. Get a permission before posting anything on social media from the parents and church staff. But photos are okay to take um, when you think it's necessary. Don't just take pictures and pictures and pictures. Like that's another thing that you need to be, something that can be cognitive of, um, of it too. But we need permission from the parents to post on social media. Some parents don't want their kids on there and completely understand that. And then we fostering and, and there's just, there's some things that we need to protect. But video should not be taken. If there's a thing that you would love to be, like, to have videotaped, ask one of the staff members and we can come in and videotape it and we can make sure that we grab it for you. Um, but just let us know what you're videoing. And then our last uh, thing before our break is our behavior plan. So this is just a... a to help you to understand, okay, how can I handle a little bit of behavior, okay? Um, The first step is just to give grace and allow time to be consistent. One of the biggest things, and this is hard for uh, once-a-week times when we have kids, is a consistent structure and and consistent expectations of what we expect from our kids. In a classroom, it can take three weeks to train a child, here, it's going to take probably a good two months to three months because we only see them once a week. But that consistency is going to be huge for the children. And so just constantly reminding them, okay, this is how we, this is how we behave. This is how we uh, respond to things. And so just be consistent. Pray for the child and for yourself for wisdom on how to help. And then use redirections with the child. A time away from things is completely okay. It is okay to say, I think we're struggling right now and our heart is just in a, in a, in a bad place. Let's just step away and just let's, I, I will pray with you and you can pray just to ask the Lord to help you come back. And then encourage wise choices, okay? If the behavior continues, and this can be, continues weekly and that kind of stuff, involve the parents. They're our best um, advocates for their parents. They know their children, they can give us the information that we need to uh, help understand them. So talk to the parents privately. Don't do this right in front of the line of parents that are picking up. Johnny had a horrible day today. Don't do that. <laughs> That's just, it's not, like, you don't want to be the parent that gets that information from somebody. So talk to them privately. Hey, Johnny's having this rough time. Here's what we're seeing him do. How can we help him? What can we put in place? Do you see this at home? What are some things that you do? And then if that doesn't help, if you try what the parents do, come to a leader, um, and we will step in and try and help in, in ways that we can. So those are our, uh, the behavior and classroom uh, expectations that we have. Right now, it is time for a break. And take this time, if you want to check on your child, I will ask you if I wasn't clear on this, and this is my fault you forgot to put your cell phone number on your child's tag 
can you please go and quietly give that to somebody so that if there is something that happens to your, your son or daughter that they can get a hold of you. Um, and then there are, there's snacks out to the, at the children's brochure where the kids' uh, sermon notes are. There's snacks there and water for you um, to grab. So be back here in 15 minutes.